What's up, everybody? It's Jeffrey Lyles, welcoming you to another installment of Lyles Movie Files. Joining me, as always, is the little brother, Jace. Broshot, how you doing? Hello, folks. How are you? It is a very good time to be a fan of Marvel Studios. And I feel like I say that a lot, and it remains true. And it doesn't seem like that's going to stop anytime soon. I feel like they've got through the potential most treacherous part of their schedule ever. When they had Black Widow come out during COVID, a film that we kind of knew what was going to play out. And even though we did, and they had all that controversy with Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh emerged as a breakout star in the MCU as Yelena, her sister. So it's like, okay, I'm looking forward to seeing her. Yeah, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. That did well. Everybody's excited. Then there was the slight dip with Eternals, which was a film that I wasn't excited about. I don't know how many real comic book heads were really excited. And I definitely don't think mainstream audiences were excited about it. And even then, it was like, eh, it was okay. Like, I rated it in my Marvel Studios list as my least favorite. Iron Man 3 is dethroned and, you know, it's whatever. I don't have to revisit that movie, but I think even that being the worst Marvel Studios film, there's still, it's still a lot better than a lot of other, other franchises, worst films by far. So now Friday or Thursday night for, for some of you is a movie I cannot wait for you all to see because it is absolutely one of the best films in the Marvel Studios, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Spider-Man No Way Home. I called you as soon as I left the theater and said, there's no way that Warner Brothers with their DC films could ever make a film like this. I went in, I was hyped, I was excited. Maybe like 20 minutes into the film, I was like, this is so cool. I'm sitting there with my mask on so no one can hear me, which is great in this case. Because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Wow, this is amazing. I was at a press-only screening, so I didn't have people write up on me so I could talk a little to myself like, oh, wow, that's cool. And, you know, just, just the excitement of it, feeling like I was eight year, years old watching this movie. And... I will only tell you things that we've seen from the trailer. Spider-Man and Doctor Strange have this great chemistry. We already saw that from Avengers Infinity War, how Benedict Cumberbatch and Tom Holland just interact. He's kind of not the warm and fuzzy mentor figure like Tony Stark, who really wasn't that warm and fuzzy anyway, but he's even I'm less saying, so. He wasn't too warm and fuzzy. <laughs> he's, but... he's even less so. And we know that Doctor Octopus and um, Green Goblin come through because Peter wants everyone to forget that he's Spider-Man. And one thing that this film did conclusively is prove why it is a great thing for superheroes to have secret identities. No, 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 no. Superman should always tell who he is. And Batman too. What's the point? So stupid. Like, and I, I was thinking about this today, like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe set up really well to avoid the whole problem 
of secret identities because there's a camp that goes, well, the hero has to tell everyone they know that they're the superhero because that way they have the man in the chair, the computer hacker sidekick, the driver slash bodyguard slash eventual uh, sidekick as a superhero. But they, they were really smart how they approached it. And I remember watching Iron Man when he goes, I am Iron Man. And I was like, that works so well for this version of Tony Stark. He's, he's kind of a narcissist. And owning up to the fact that he's a superhero works. And he doesn't have to worry about the whole, oh, he's my bodyguard. He just can be Iron Man. And he's famous and successful enough that it's Tony Stark or Iron Man. Not everyone thinks Iron Man's cooler than Tony Stark. And then with Hulk, we already everybody knew who he was. Thor doesn't have an alter ego. Then Captain America is a soldier who has a super serum form, formula. And Black Widow and Hawkeye are just two super spies. So they really worked um, around it. Hmm? I didn't say, but you also remember, it's like everybody who could be in danger with Captain America is dead. Yeah. Because he's been on ice for 40. He's been a capsicle for 40 years. Exactly. So, and Hawkeye has his family a secret to most everyone except for Fury and Natasha. So they took care of that one sneaky problem and fixed it. And then everybody else through the course of this deal have been characters that didn't need it. Wanda and Pietro didn't need it. Vision clearly didn't need it. Black Panther, the head of a nation, didn't have a need for a secret identity. Everybody knows who the Winter Soldier is. So they have really navigated it so well that it was never an issue. But with Peter Parker, this is the first time they're confronted with a guy who actually needs his secret identity. And they show why it's so important. And I love that because it means going forward, it explains why every hero who has something to lose needs to protect their secret identity. And the way they made that work was so good. And I was just so impressed with how they handled that. Okay. Do you, are, you, are you saying that the watching this movie should be required viewing for all DC writers going forward? I think for just basic comic book writers, because I think it's so easy for them now to go, everyone should know the hero's identity because it's so much easier for us to not have to have the hero work around and hide and lie and do all this stuff. I've been watching, binging Superman, the animated series. And every time there's a problem and Clark Kent is next to Lois Lane, Part of the fun is seeing how he just zooms away. And she goes, Smallville, where'd you go? Oh, Clark just got thrown out the window. Don't worry, I caught him. And it just works. I mean, if I'm watching this show about a dude that's flying and and faster than a locomotive and able to leap over tall buildings, I can believe the fact that he can just zoom away real fast and lie and say, hey, yeah, I I caught him. I don't know why that's so hard. I think it really is like some of these, like the writers have an issue with the quote-unquote lying, it's like, I'm pretty sure you don't have your whole blog of every random thought that you ever came up with, you know, out for everybody to read. Because I'm pretty sure we all know that actually leads to you getting fired from your job or, you know, people, you're getting ostracized. It's like, some stuff just actually needs to be about you. So it's like, hey, if I'm fighting crime or somebody else, you know, I'm 
I'm Punisher. Do I really want everybody to know who I am? I'm pretty sure I don't. I mean, I don't even have a secret identity, but I'm not going to go around like, yeah, on my spare time, I get bored. I'm Punisher. Like, no, I'm going to lie and say I'm a random dude, you know, a construction dude. Like, I'm not telling everybody what I do when I need to do what needs to be done. And very brief aside, Brian Michael Bendis introduced the whole concept that Superman should reveal his secret identity to the world. He didn't really touch on the consequences and repercussions. Everybody, the Daily Planet was like, oh, that's so great. Congratulations. There were some minor rumblings of, hey, he was reporting on his own stories, which is shady. He should have lost all his journalism awards and he has no credibility. But Tom Taylor actually was a writer who was like, well, why would some supervillain not immediately go after his parents? And that's why you can't have your hero tell the world who they are. And this No Way Home explains why that is essential for every hero. Um, so we got that. And we've seen some other stuff in the trailer. I won't go all into it. But I just left left that movie feeling like there can't be a better Spider-Man movie that they ever put out. Because the bar is set so high with this one. I was totally satisfied. They really focus on the villains from the Maguire and Garfield films and kind of pull them full circle with their arcs. And it just works when they're going against Tom Holland, Spider-Man. It's like, yeah, this is cool. Like it was really fun seeing Tom Holland, Spider-Man by Dr. Octopus, you know, like on that highway scene that we see, it's like, Oh, this is, this is actually cool. And there's so many moments through this film that it was just like, you guys understand what fans of these Spider-Man films will want to see with this concept of the multiverse and what could be, you know, the potential from that. And then they do even more. So I was super excited. How excited are you about going to see this? This is like, this is one of the movies that I really was like, all right, I don't care. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling a whole packed uh, studio to go see this, but if I can sneak off on a Friday or Sunday when everybody's you know not doing anything that's probably going to be the move for me because I actually do I wanted if there was any of the Marvel movies I almost wanted to be a home viewing experience it was this because I want to see it day of especially because we have seen kind of just the cast you're like I don't know if there's going to be any surprise cast but I definitely want to see this before the potential of spoilers are out in the world which you very well have told me like yo on Friday or Thursday night, do not go on the internet. No, don't, don't, it's, go it's on, just... don't go on to Twitter now oh. because people are already trying to get stuff that's spoilers trending. So just avoid oh. it Honestly. altogether. I feel like these people are such tools because, I mean, no, they don't want that stuff spoiled. I got to assume that they don't want it spoiled. So they're happy to spoil it for everybody else. Like, ah, I saw it. And it's just like, come on. Yeah, guys. I mean, some some, some folks, that's, that's just, the, that's where they get their kicks. It's like, that's really how you got your joy in life by spoiling something else. Taking the, the joy you actually had for five minutes. You want to take that away from somebody else because your life is, I, honestly, is that miserable? Like, you, you need to work on your own stuff before you worry about spoiling stuff. Like, hey, if you want to read it, because I mean, like Kyle Gunner's like, he's like, Hey, you can spoil it. I'm good. I'll watch it anyway. But there are other people like if like kind of as we all know, like you look on like you go online the day after a wrestling show. Hey, so and so won. You're like, 
I was on my viewing list on Monday. Thanks, guy. I really, really did appreciate that. Like, just you know, staying just... away from everything until after I watch AEW's winners coming. So right now it's going on, and I am not watching or tuning in anywhere until I watch the show because I have a sneaky suspicion there's gonna be lots of spoiler stuff coming from it. Uh, there was a couple. There was a few releases in another random company. I'm thinking somebody's gonna be like, "Hey, I didn't have a 90 day suckers." Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> Big, big stuff from that. But yeah, anyway, I totally think that this one's worth seeing in the theaters. If you can, IMAX it because I got to see it in IMAX theater. Just critics and just from the the applause, the cheering, you wouldn't know it was just a bunch of semi-stuffy critics who were so excited to see this stuff unfold on the big screen. And there's two... Um, post-credit sequences so of course make sure to stick around for those but honestly if there's something in this movie after you watch it you're like man i wish i could have done this you're really reaching there's only one thing that i just cosmetically that i wish they could have done because they kind of had the opportunity to do it and they didn't but i was okay because it was like "Ah, all right whatever that's a really small thing but this is absolutely one of the best MCU films. So definitely check it out and avoid social media so you can get the full non-spoiled experience because it's really that good. Okay. Let me let me ask a question. Do you think the evolution from this movie, um, No Way Home, is like kind of that leap from kind of how like Civil War and in your opinion, is a leap over Winter Soldier just because of how good it was. Like, is this that one from Far From Home? Like, but No Way Home is like, yeah, this is the this is the ish. So, Winter Soldier is my favorite standalone film in the MCU. I just love how they did everything. I'm very biased, and I have no problem owning up to the fact that when you put four heroes in a movie uh, it's going to go up higher on my list especially when it's the avengers so basically my <laughs> my cheat code is if black panther's in it it's going to go higher so civil war and infinity war and endgame are my three favorites just because i love the interaction and i love the team ups and just seeing how all those characters come together and and those three films really show different versions of team ups and i just love that whole dynamic um, Winter Soldier is the best standalone. And I still think that even though this is so close. Um, I think the closest comparison is No Way Home is the Spider-Man version of Avengers Endgame. Whereas Endgame had everything. There was connections, threads, ties to every movie that came before, you know, before it. So there was Iron Man all the way through to Ant-Man and the Wasp. And... You know, whether it's a little kid from Iron Man 3 showing up at the memorial service for start. Everything had some connection early. And this one does the exact same thing. So you take the Maguire Spider-Mans because um, Green Goblin's in it. So he's the first one. Dr. Octopus is the second villain in Spider-Man 2. And then we've seen uh, like a hint in the trailer of Electro from the Garfield Spider-Man and the lizard as well so we've seen these guys and if you kind of forgotten stuff i think it's almost worth revisiting those previous five movies 
going back through those other ones, the McGuire, uh, Garfield films, and just revisiting them. I know there's one you're going to be like, I don't want to. But I really think that they did a good job. Kind of like how you don't really love uh, Dark World, but they make Dark World more meaningful because of what happens in Endgame. I think that that's going to be the same deal with this, where even films that people were like, eh, it's not my favorite. I think they tie it all together and make it work. Uh, that, that, that's, that's, that's a big ass there, guy. I mean, to actually ask me to watch Spider-Man, uh, Toby McGuire 3, Dancing Toby. Wow. You may be able to fast forward through that, but... Man, I, I, I mean, you know how my fast forward works on that movie? Not watching it. <laughs> it it's rewarding. And speaking of rewarding, Hawkeye, gosh. So this this episode that aired today, Ronan, was everything that we kind of were hoping it would be. And I, I was not very excited at the news that Black Widow's sister was going to be in Black Widow. It's like, man, I want to know about Black Widow. I don't want to see her sister getting in that spotlight and basically taking her spot and all the attention went right away from her. But Florence Pugh made her so great. I don't care. I want to see her and everything else. And I don't know if it's just that she does a Russian accent, just the way her personality is portrayed in these films where in shows where she's just so, eh, whatever. Like the whole joint with her trying to get Kate to have macaroni and cheese. I don't know why. It just was so funny to me. Like, it works. And Yelena's personality is such that she can say anything and I'm on board for it. And you know, funny thing, it was like, during that scene, I'm like, she's just funny, but it's like, it's also that funny, like, if I switch it up, like, I could have killed you like five minutes ago, but you know, oh, you killed me. <laughs> that's funny. And you're like, that is actually funny. And it's actually, she played it like, oh, that's a, that's a joke. Calm down. Woo, you were gonna, Kate Bishop, you were going to kill me. <laughs> Kate Bishop, you hey. are so funny. Now, she kind of reminds me of Christoph Waltz's character in Inglorious Bastards, where he said a lot of funny stuff, very disarming, but you knew he was super dangerous at the same time, where he's almost so charismatic that it was like that snake wrapping his, itself around you, and you're just like, oh, okay, you're cool. Then all of a sudden he strikes, and you're just look. That's yeah. kind of how Yelena is, where she's so disarming and likable. And it's like, oh, yeah, she really could kill people. Yeah. But as I, I was actually, you know, as I was watching the episode, I was like, wait a minute, is the MCU in 2023? I didn't, because it was like, uh, it's like, wait, am I supposed to, like, is this a thing? Do I need to care about this? Like, wait, wait, what, what else has happened in the five years? Can, is there a stock I need to buy? Tell me, tell me now. Uh, that opening scene was crazy because I was like, wait, what happened? I actually had to rewind. I said, oh, right, the blip. And it was like, and it, the whole bathroom changed up for like, And now, and I think that was like, another thing about that was cool because it's like, why wasn't she? I mean, like, especially after she got to Black Widow, why wasn't she there? She's like, I got blipped out of existence. Of course I would have helped her out in, you know, in, uh, in game if I was actually there. Like, Doctor Strange would have had my number on speed dial if I'd known there was a deal. Like, yeah. it's like, okay, yes. It, again, it's, it's one of the great thing about the MCU shows is like, hey, for anything you don't know, or we put a little thing in a movie, we will explain it in depth for just two seconds and we'll answer all your questions. 
like a gym of that size answers all my questions. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it is so basic and so simple. Like, yeah, she wasn't there because she got blipped out. Of course. Okay. That's all we need. And it explains everything, why she wasn't spending time with her sister during that five-year period. It's like, okay. And Natasha wasn't like, oh, I need to go track my sister down. She was like, yeah, she's just like everybody else I lost. So just keep it moving. It's like, And it also is like, especially having someone like uh, Galena, who's been under somebody else's control for basically her whole life, so she gets blipped out of existence. Somebody is offering to kind of, hey, I'll fill in some gaps and you need to go kill Hawkeye. It's very like it's much she's much it, it's more she's much more susceptible to that. Like I'm a strong personality and I can kill you. But if somebody tells me they got great information, I am much more going to listen because this is what I've been doing my whole life. I haven't had five years of actual freedom to deal with this. Yeah, it was. I love that. And. I mean, they clearly have to do a second season. There's just no way about it. We have one more episode to go, and I'm like, wait, wait, wait. And it was funny because I was like, yeah, Falcon and Winter Soldier can keep going, but I'm fine with that going to a movie, too, because I feel like they could tell Sam and Bucky's adventures just as fine in a movie. But Hawkeye, he's really shine as a character in this TV format. And I feel like with six episodes of Hawkeye... They could do so much more. I mean, there's still that whole partnership with Kate to explore further. And I definitely don't want to see that over. It's like, is he actually going to? I mean, you're like, kind of, is he going to be her mentor? Because she, you can tell she's like, she's good, but it's like very much, she's not ready to be like kind of Avengers, young Avengers kind of. She's green in this, in a sense. So it's like, you can't think, oh, in one I episode, there, she's going to be green. That was nice. Well played. Yeah. So you had to get like, oh, how does she get into the bigger picture? Like, does she go into uh, what is it, the um, Ms. Marvel's universe? I mean, and like um, City Block. I mean, we don't know, but it's like you, Marvel's done such a great job. They leave it open, and then they give you the stuff. You're like, oh, okay. Like Falcon and Winter Soldier, we think, hey, they've been in movies. They can go easily go back because they had a character. Now we got the new character. Sam is Captain America, but this one, you're like. Six is probably not enough. Like Loki, Loki, you're like there is more to tell in the story, but there's a, a bigger part of it is going to be told in the movie. This, but Loki's, you know, time bearing, he can do his thing in the TV show. But this one, Hawkeye, you're very much like. I, I know we always complain about um, CW shows being twelve thousand episodes too long. This is an episode you're like, give me like five, if you guys aren't going to give me. Five more episodes of this. Give me a second season. Let me watch that. Yeah, definitely need that. And and like you said, I love that Kate is not a fully formed, perfect hero. She's still learning. She's still capable of getting beat in a fight. And she's learning enough that she's able to take these lessons that she's continuing to learn and applying them, even as she's figuring out the ropes. And she's like, well, what am I doing here with Elena? Is she going to kill me? I'm nervous because I'm not super cool. think I've got it all figured out. Um, oh, I'm, I'm concerned about this thing. Let me do this. I love watching Hero learn on the ropes. The, the Avengers basically knew what they were doing from jump. And watching Kate is learning or watching a superhero develop. And it's really good. And they've done... Some... I don't think it... Go ahead. I was going to say, I don't think any of us truly like seeing a hero without flaws. Because it's like, 
everyone loves like Luke Skywalker. Like Luke Skywalker is not perfect. He thinks he, he gets a little too brick for his britches, gets his hand chopped off. Like it's just you need to see the evolution of the characters. Like, oh, okay, I think I got it. Just like a teenager, you're like when you start feeling yourself a little bit and then somebody slaps you down, like you don't have a clue what you're doing. And then you're like, okay, you're right. Now I need to start learning. And we enjoy that hero's journey. But if you, you skip to being from I know nothing to perfect, you're like, I don't, how am I supposed to connect with you? I don't, I'm, I, my journey in life hasn't been like, so, I, so why would I trust or even like seeing somebody whose journey hasn't been kind of similar to mine or a more amplified, awesome version of mine? I had a ray of light when you said that Luke Skywalker comparison. Um, yes, love Kate. She's, I think they've done such a fantastic job with her and they haven't done a sidekick ever in these this universe. And it's really good. I really love that dynamic and more of that, please. And I think they did a really, really cool job this episode of showing that yeah, he's an Avenger. So as skilled as Maya is, Hawkeye can beat her. And I really think that was important because definitely something a trapping in the CW. We can't have a woman lose to a dude in a fight ever. That's just impossible. And she's always going to be better. And they're like, no, Hawkeye's an Avenger. He's a shield trained spy. He can beat most people. Yeah. Like, you, you, superpowered. You, you, yeah, you're doing this at the local YMCA for a couple of years, you know, and maybe taking on some street dudes. It's like, yeah, but I was taking on Shatari. I was dealing with, you know, trained mercenaries. The black, me and Black Widow are fighting twenty dudes, and we came out on top, you know, with a couple of bruises, you know, needing a, a a bag of peas to put over your eye. That was it. But we can take you guys on pretty easy. Like the years he was running, it wasn't like he needed, you know, an Avengers level bunch. He's like, no, I can take this dude. So it's like yeah. for him to just like, no, if I want to take the gloves off, I just want to remind you, I am that dude. Yeah. Simmer down. Exactly. And I love that their interaction was him kind of remembering, oh, yeah, here I can sign this conversation with her. Maya can read his lips. And I also really like that. Before he confronted her, he took out her bros from behind. So Maya couldn't hear it because she's not using the cheat of a hearing aid like Clint does. So she's all like ready and she's seeing everything right in front of her. But she can't hear all the stuff laying out behind her. And I thought that was really smart to show that Clint is, he can be really dirty as a fighter too. And like, nah, (laughs) I know how to beat you. I'm going to take out your sniper first. Then everybody behind you. Then I'm going to be in front of you. So you start wasting bullets for no reason because you can't get a good shot at me. And and, and unfortunately, you have to you have to rely on your eyes instead of like kind of you just being able to hear me creeping, you know, at this hidden this car. You have to literally like see me. And then that's how I get you to waste your bullets yeah. and then just confront you. Just like you have no chance. It, it was I, it was almost like you almost felt like you're like when you saw him playing dirty like. Oh, uh, she has no. It was almost like she does not stand a real chance because she's out in the open. Yeah, and he's not like contained. He's he's like all the elements he can use, and she has, you know, almost like you're the bad guy. But hey, he kind of did you dirty on this one. Yeah, it was good stuff. Well, we don't really know if Maya's a, a bad guy yet. She hasn't done anything villainy yet. She's just looking for payback, and she has a reason. And in Hawkeye, Clint tells her, "Listen." Somebody in this organization that you work for set your dad up. That was the only reason I knew. 
to go over there and I don't care who I'm taking out. I'm killing bad guys because I'm all up in my feelings because my family's dead. And then she's like, whatever. I'm still trying to get, get you. And then Kate saves him, which was important because it shows a sidekick actually can be helpful to the, the main hero when the hero gets a little overconfident or just does something a little bit too heroic. Like, okay, I trust you. You're not going to do anything to me. And that was good. Then Maya rolls out and then she confronts Kazi. Like, hey, where were you that night my dad was killed? And he's like, oh, man, I had to do laundry. Nobody called me. I think my phone was on busy. My answer machine was full. Those excuses were I forgot terrible. to charge my phone. My bad. Yeah. I, you know. He clearly doesn't cheat on her because his lie game is terrible. I mean, he was like, whoa, I never thought you would ask me this question. And... Then Kate, when she was having her macaroni and chill conversation with Yelena, she was like, well, who would have you kill an Avenger? And then Yelena got to thinking, well, that is a good point. Who would want me to kill an Avenger? So she does her own digging and finds out, hey, I figured out who it is that's trying to, who wanted me to kill you. And it's not Jack. And Jack, I think they did a really nice job of, of setting him up like, yeah, he he's, he's, Sneaky, he's doing things we don't know. But in actuality, is Eleanor. And Eleanor isn't acting on her own. She is working with the big guy. And Clinton sees a picture and he's like, shoot, that's the dude I was trying to avoid all this whole time. The Kingpin. And got the name Kingpin <laughs> and it's like, I mean, mind blown. Were you? Were you just like me? I'm just like, it's funny. Like I, I, I watched the Hawkeye and I'm literally like, all right, y'all got a last second shot. I mean, you know, you, you got it behind after credit scene, right? Yeah. I, I did okay. do the very slow <laughs> crawl through on my mouse to make sure there was nothing there. Cause I was like, this would be a good time for it. Okay. That's cool. And yeah. you know, Kevin Feige, he has already confirmed that if we see Daredevil in the MCU, he will be played by Charlie Cox. Now we've seen Kingpin. And it's just like, so I want to say arguably the best elements of those Marvel Netflix shows are in the MCU now. And that's really exciting. So whenever we see Daredevil, we know he's on the table now to face Kingpin. And I really love that they didn't go, let's do a whole new casting call. Let's reinvent the wheel. I always felt really bad for Andrew Garfield uh, when they were like, yeah, we're going to go younger with our Spider-Man. It's like, oh, but he was so good as Spider-Man and he would have been just fine interacting with these guys. I get it. You want a younger high school version of Peter Parker, but oh, poor Andrew Garfield because he was so good. Hey, what's up, everybody? We're back to the rest of the show in just a minute. But right now, I've got a brand new giveaway for you. The bunker thriller American Refugee is now available on digital and on demand. In the midst of societal collapse, the Taylor family's last chance at survival is a neighbor's bunker where their fate lies in the hands of the family patriarch. When tensions rise, who can really be trusted? Buy or rent American Refugee and watch it today. It's unrated from our friends at Paramount Pictures. And all you've got to do to get a free copy of American Refugee is hit me up at lylesmoviefiles at gmail.com. And all you've got to do is just say, hey, I want passes for American Refugee. So grab it now on digital and on demand. Now back to the rest of the show. 
I was like, and now it almost makes much more sense. It's like, no, we kind of want to use Spider Man as this next wave of hero. So we need him like almost high school to be around for the next 12 years. And Andrew, as good as yours was, you're going to age out really too far on that. I mean, we're not like DC. We will actually get your movie, you know, every three years, but <laughs> we do want to actually make sure we can use you for 12 years and, and be able to go. And, and not even that he'll be in other movies in, in between his, his Spider-Man films too. Um, but it was, it was, it, it was something you said last week that, um, of who Jax was. And I'm like, Oh, this kind of can open the door back for that. Say that again. Uh, who Jax was? Uh, yeah. Uh, who, the swordsman. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because he, he was like, and it was like Clint kind of is like, uh, yeah, the, the key, my ally. I think you said that last week, but he's like, oh, that door is actually open. I don't know. I don't know who the swordsman is at all. It's like it does leave like how. Almost kind of how their interaction wasn't. Am I saying something wrong? Oh no no no! So okay. I, was, I was I was just gonna go really quick. Swordsman Primer. Um, I was doing this for the Laos figure files when I was like, "Hey, we should get a Swordsman Marvel Legend figure from the comic." So he's introduced early on in the Avengers, and he's introduced as Clint's old mentor, who kind of trained him to use a weapon like Swordsman Master to Sword. Hawkeye mastered the bow and he was like, yeah, we can be criminals running this thing together. And Clint was like, eh, I don't know about that. I don't do that. Years later, Swordsman comes up. Y'all want to be a member of the Avengers? And Clint's like, eh, I don't know, but he's acting really heroic. He turns on him because he's been working with the Mandarin to take out the Avengers because he wants Iron Man. So I'll get Iron Man by capturing his, his buddies in the Avengers. Swordsman decides, I don't need to kill these cats. He doesn't kill him, but he resurfaces again several times as a villain facing them. Then eventually he joins the Avengers, teams up with them during the Avengers Defenders War. Ashley takes on Hawkeye, who's not a member of the Avengers at that point. He's rolling with the Defenders. So we get Hawkeye versus Swordsman, and it's really cool. Eventually he sacrifices himself to save Mantis, the same Mantis who eventually becomes a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's way convoluted and all this stuff to how she gets there. But yeah, that's that path. And it's really well done. Swordsman's a good character. And I think he could be this mysterious ally. And they could play up the fact that he's known him for so long. So we'll see. This is like, because when he even like hits him with the sword, it's like they don't hit, he's like the, oh, it's kind of a cooler interaction. No one's extra. It's just, be cool, be cool. Yeah, All right. Like if he was keeping a cover, he he kept the cover really well. So yeah. Yeah. So again, if I get all all this in one episode, you're like, come on, really, one episode? Ah, nah, keep going, keep going. Speaking of wanting to keep things going, Chadwick Boseman's brother has joined the call for Marvel Studios to recast T'Challa. Famously played by his brother, Chadwick Boseman. Um, I think we just, like, a couple weeks ago was the anniversary of his death, which is still, like, ah, worst development with the actor in the property that I love since Paul Walker. Um, 
But I'm definitely in the camp that we should recast T'Challa because I don't think that Chadwick would be like, yeah, nah, this, this character should be dead with me. And I feel like he would understand and appreciate, yeah, there's no reason. I mean, when Roger Moore died, they didn't decide we're never going to do another James Bond movie because he died. I mean, it's just you keep the role going because the character is more meaningful and is just it's larger than one actor. What do you think about this? I, honestly, I mean, as we said, I, I, I just think it's like you do need to keep that role going. And it's and I think a better like analogy is almost like if Christopher Reeve, I mean, like Christopher Reeves was Superman for years. I mean, it was just like, you, you want another Superman? Come on, you're crazy. And then when you see him in Smallville, like, hey, no, this role is bigger than me. I want to see him in bigger stuff. I, I mean, I love the character, but that character can't be me for the rest of time. I'm pretty sure Chadwick, but I mean, it's like, I don't think anybody really was like, wants to have a role that is just, it can never be mine. It's like, the fans will be, could be like, well, that's, that's my guy. And you take your size, but it's never like, oh, that role can never be played by anybody else but me. It's like, I don't think, I mean, like, is it, I just, I mean, unless you're like Vin Diesel, it's like, there can only be one, you know, only one man who says family. Uh, I don't think everybody else is going to be like, nah, I, you can, you can, if I, if I'm unable to go, I don't want you to stop the role unless you can come up with like a Brian reason. Like, Hey, it's really an homage to not recast me. Cause it, it just works with the story, but it's like, but we're all ending the story after this. So we don't, yeah. I mean, we don't need to keep going, but it's like, if you're, if the world is going to keep going, don't, I don't want to say don't let my, don't let my not being here in that role. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't think anybody will want that. Exactly. All right. So that's that. So that that's our Marvel section. Now we're moving on to DC. Flash Armageddon is wrapped up. Last week I said I'm not sure if they needed a fifth part because the four chapters of Armageddon that we had were so great. And after this fifth part, I kind of felt like, yeah, they didn't have to go with five. And there was nothing bad about it though. Unlike some other things where it's like, yep, y'all missed the window. It was fine. Reverse Flash is like, hey Barry. Um, remember that whole reverse flashpoint I started? Well, since you fixed things, I'm fading out of time. And it sure would be really cool of you to help me not vanish. And I love the whole irony of that because he's like, hey, guy. But Thawne is such a bastard. He's not like, hey, could you help me? He's like, yeah, if you help me, I want to just figure out a way to kill you later. <laughs> he's not hiding. There's no illusions. He's talking trash to Irish, talking trash to Caitlyn. And he could care less. He's not, there's no pretense with him. He's like, oh yeah, you better believe it. When I get out of this, I'm going to take you out. Yeah. It, it was interesting because I'm I'm always like, on in this universe is always kind of, does he exist or should he exist or is it a paradox all the time? Because it's like, he's 3,000 years, but it's like, he's his kind of like, almost how how they did it in the loss like is present is his present but it's not yours it's he's already done what he's done and it's what it is like he can, that version can't go back and kill Barry's mom but it's already happened in this universe so it's always kind of yeah. wait can he if you don't let him do that does he go back and kill your mom and you don't end up with Joe I'm like wait I, I got to bring on my loss 
paradox time travel. Yeah, it's a super kind of paradox. Thing. But it's okay it, but it's, because it's, it, it works in the context of speedsters traveling in and out of time like their playground. And I can go along with that way more than their sciencey mumbo jumbo that doesn't make sense when they try to start using big words. Hey, algorithm. Yeah. So I really love seeing Joe and I loved how he chewed out Barry and Iris like, no, I don't care. I mean, it was it, he could have just he did the proverbial grabbing both of them by the ear going get over here and what you're not going to do is let this guy die because that's not what heroes did and i loved it because because they were like little kids like sorry dad so good it it was so good it was like if you if anything it was just good to see joe back it was like yeah being oh yeah like joe joe can he's the only one to get everybody else to be like okay well we'll listen no you won't get over here (laughs) yes man sorry (laughs) we'll save them It, it was great and and I was I was with them and Caitlin. I'm like, why would you say this, dude? And Despero was like, if uh, I can have a voice, shut up, Despero. Um, but I'm yeah, it was, it was good. They worked that out. Mia showed up and she's looking for William. It's been two years. No one cares. I don't care. And this is the problem when you try to set up a spinoff in the final season of a show that started your universe and you just assume that it's going to be a spinoff that people are going to want to see because then you have a dangling cliffhanger like this and I was like, uh, sorry. I thought it was hilarious. And, you know, because I feel like they're always trying so hard to be the MCU that Despero decided I'm going to pull out my master plan and the person I'm going to use to influence and take over is the most dangerous person on this team. The Archer. And it was it was like I was having Loki and Hawkeye flashbacks. At least Clint was right there when when Loki was like, I need people. Oh yeah, you you're pretty good. You got heart. I'll take you. He could take Caitlin slash Killer Frost. He could take Allegra and Or Barry. No, he he can take Cecile. Or like, Cecile. Literally, you're like, right, you're right. Like you're the right. actual most powerful person there. Like like put her in a psycho mask and actually have them beat these dudes. No, nah, I'm gonna take the one person who everybody can punk out just by simmer down, child. Like yeah. y- you have no chance. Like I mean, Iris pulled out a big gun and was like, listen, she pulled out the doom gun and was like, Hey, calm it down. Simmer down right now. But anyway, I I thought that this was a good example of why Mia probably just needs to be in this universe, this time period. That way they want to do anything with William, they can, and there's no need to worry about that pesky future that has no purpose anyway. I think they're probably going to try and do it next. Uh, and then whenever Flash restarts is kind of almost do a compression because it's like, oh, we can just say the reason why you couldn't find William is because he's in 2021. That's and that's fine. why we now need to bring you in here. It's like, I mean, it, it was always, it was, it's like that's why you're like you're in you're you're not in too much of a rush to find your brother if you got time to have some drinks with somebody from ten years ago. You're like, man, I ain't find that dude in two years, man. I, listen, I need a, I need a day off. Listen, I am not that dude typically, but that club scene and Iris and Cecile. Yeah, that was, listen, that was illuminating. The heat check was off the charts on that one. It was like. I don't know how those dudes work on set with them sometimes. It's not Killer Frost cold in that joint. No. So, yeah. And and as always, it's great seeing Damien Dark 
He's really good. We got the scene with him and Nora. I really wish they had figured out a way to shoot Brandon Roth in that final scene so he and Nora could have had their moment. That was that felt a little missing. And I really wish Iris would have gone, you know, I'm really curious about this Batwoman in Gotham. I'm reading stuff about her. I think we hit it off. I just, because it was like something so cool from that future time period. And we won't see it based on how things are. And I thought that was really fun and something they could explore down the road. I like to see it. Like, it was funny. Like, it was one of those, like, at the end when they brought Damien Dark, I'm like, uh, if y'all want to erase his death, I'm actually okay with it. And then Joe kind of very much like, nah, man. And then his scene with Joe's like, Man, Joe, you really are the heart of this show, man. Really Good job, is. man. And anytime Joe is not around for extended periods of time, his absence is felt. Now, the only thing mm-hmm. I was a little bit curious with was, did Barry just give Dark the time stone? Did he keep the soul stone, the mind stone, the power stone away from him? Different universe. Different, right. Different okay. Universe. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I thought it was funny there was no color to that time stone. So yeah, for Flash Armageddon was good. I'm a little bit worried because they look like they're going to be bringing Bart and Nora back, and I, I don't need them in my Flash. Okay, well, well, let me let me say this: if they just do them in a five episode arc and not have them dragging around for twenty episodes, I'm because again, I was very much on this team. You know, if this sucks, I'm good on you know having my Tuesday night back. <laughs> it was very good. So it's it like, was. all right, you get you get a stay of execution, but you don't 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 try and act all you know brand new. It will it could happen next if you you stuck me in for twelve episodes and nothing happens. I can I can find y'all on you know Netflix instead of watching the you know just DVR delay. Yeah, Superman and Lois is coming back, so we've got that. Now we have another show coming from the CW, potentially Gotham Knights, brought to you by the crack team that's putting out Batwoman. Let me read the description so far from Deadline. In the wake of Bruce Wayne's murder, his rebellious adopted son forges an unlikely alliance with the children of Batman's enemies when they all are framed for killing the Cape Crusader. And as the city's most wanted criminals, this renegade band of misfits must fight to clear their names. But in a Gotham with no dark night to protect it, the city descends into the most dangerous it's ever been. However, hope comes from most unexpected places and this team of mismatched fugitives will become the next generation of saviors known as the Gotham Knights. Now, both of us decided on other options, but if I did not decide to go with that, this would be my nominee for Dummy of the Week. I want no parts of this. Zero zilp nada negatory good buddy. How about you? Okay. How stupid is this? We have a Batwoman universe. You're just trying to build up Batwoman. And then we're going to do something potentially in another world because at that point, we don't even know if Bruce Wayne is killed. Like in Batwoman, unless I'm three or four episodes behind, which I probably am. But it's like, you're really going to do this? Try and reinvent Gotham that has no Gotham saver? Hey, we literally have Batwoman who we've proclaimed for two freaking seasons as the hero of Gotham. And now you're going to be, nah, nobody was caring about Gotham? Get the freak out of here. It's like, no. I, I mean, I'm just literally like, I'm not even, there's not even a joke episode I'm watching of this trash. Like, yeah. no. Like, 
y'all can put your efforts to something better. Like, I'm just not. Yeah, it, it sounds like such a bad idea. And I assume that the rebellious adopted son would be Jason Todd, since he's the only one that really fits that mold. It shouldn't be Nightwing. shouldn't be Tim Drake. And Jason makes the most sense, but teaming up with the sons and daughters of Gotham's villains, also terrible. I guess that means we'll see the Joker's daughter as part of that. She's an actual character, but... Oh, I, I, I know. But seriously, again... Do y'all in Warner Brothers just shoot crap onto a wall? Hey, you know we got the show called Titans. Yeah, but let's come up with Gotham Knights, so we're probably gonna have to use Jason Todd with. Yeah, because that you know his you know Red Hood arc in Titans was trash. Why not try it again? <laughs> like, I'm just like, how do you like? Do y'all just have unlimited funds for stupid stuff? Like, just like you guys instead of developing. Hey, let's make. Let's let's honestly make Booster Gold and Blue Beetle something that we've not actually ever tried. And we got we got some recycled Batman trash we left on the ground. Let's see if we can do that. There's characters they could make really easily. They could do the question. That's a very budget friendly series. Isn't she in? Um, I'm sorry. Isn't she cast in Batwoman? She is, but they could do the Vic Sage version. And not, I mean, they could just have it said earlier, you know, from the journals of Victor Sage, the question. But Jeff, but Jeff, that would be confusing. So we'd have to get rid of her so we could do that like we did Constantine for no flipping reason. You know, this is the problem when Marvel Studios has an awesome week and <laughs> it's just like, man, they have no idea what they're doing. And they continue to have no idea what the heck they're doing because it's just like, that's dumb. Let's move on to another dumb thing. So Netflix decided after three weeks, two million people weren't trending and talking about Cowboy Bebop. So it's time to cancel it. And I watched Cowboy Bebop. I enjoyed it. The last episode is definitely setting you up for, all right, when is season two starting? Much like Jupiter's Legacy, which also was canceled very quickly. Netflix needs to stop doing these licensed products projects and letting them make a cliffhanger for the first season with no guarantee of a second one. They need to have an ending and make it. So if we bring it back, awesome. If not, you've got a complete story in this one and only season. But the, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, the only problem with that is that's what I get on those shows for is not having a reason for me to come back. You make a complete season. I can just leave you and never come back. But you should also, what is the, it's like, it's almost like Netflix needs to come up like, hey, here's our budget for these shows. If you go over, you're canceled. If you don't, you know, you can, you know, roll that budget into season two and then we'll, you know, hopefully renew you. But it's like their knee jerk reaction almost to these shows is like, hey, did y'all hire some like losers from uh, NBC and just like, hey, man, we uh, it's show's been on two weeks. Cancel it. Like, no, like, I didn't even have time to even watch Cowboy Bill. I put it in my queue. Like, okay, you know, once I'm finished up on my shows, I can watch this. Cancel. It's like, I'm not watching this. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to hit, hit Chiefs Playbook. Like, no, I'm not watching the show that has a cliffhanger ending. And I'm not, if you guys, the savior of 
all things NBC canceled, <laughs> give them a movie. Now I can decide, hey, we're going to also follow the NBC playbook. I'm not actually finishing up a store. We're just going to leave cliffhangers and, you know, crap all out here. It's like, I don't have, I'm losing faith in y'all for this, especially when I have Disney Plus that does right by me. Right. Like, oh, would you be interested in, in watching more Avengers of Boba Fett? Tell you what, we'll make a whole series on Boba Fett. And it's, you're right. Because they set it up where, oh, th- there's some potential. Let's make an Ahsoka series. Yes, I would be interested. Hey, um, we're all curious about what Obi Wan did in between Clone, uh, Revenge of the Sith and Star Wars. Why don't we, why don't we give you a whole series about that? And we don't have to worry about that being canceled midway through. So Cowboy Bebop ends in a way where you kind of envision how everything would work out, but it's so many plot threads that they set up for season two clearly that they were like, no, nah, we're not going to end this stuff. We're not going to leave it open-ended. So you can kind of imagine them going on this next quest. It's like everybody goes their separate ways to do this next part. And you just have to imagine them getting back together. Cause it's, it's a, it was a really fun ride for most of those eight or 10 episodes. And it's just like, ah, you guys really drop the ball. Be more like Disney plus tell full stories and let us have a little faith like it'll continue one way either season two or movie okay so now we're at that magical point of the week do you have any nominees and i know you do because we've discussed this and we had to really narrow it down to make our selection who's your nominee for dummy of the week bro uh i don't know I'm, I'm i'm feeling some just kicking it with you know a guy who just really wants to be unemployed so my dummy of the week is Mr. Urban Meyer. Now, if I had said this up really well, I would have had escape plane as you were queuing it up. Just kicking it. Yeah, can't, can't get the license on that one. Right. But Urban Meyer, I I mean, he's actually doing a very good job of like, you know, if like the dude in your job who just works, he's like, I ain't quitting. They're going to fire me. Urban Meyer is hitting that 218. So Urban Myers has literally hit the point where he's the dude just doing nothing at the job, just sitting at the desk, eating on the desk while everybody else is hard at work, eight hours. He's like, he's literally the one surfing YouTube videos all day. He's just like, I'm y'all, I'm not quitting. Y'all gonna fire me. And he's working very hard. So like, I mean, like you're hearing, st- I mean, leaked stories that he's basically kicking the kicker out of training camp because that's just what you do, you know, is a, you know, to a grown man and who's not a 18-year-old kid who, you know, actually wants to be here versus a dude who's paid to be here. And in, like, the story, you see, like, kind of this week where, you know, instead of, you know, shaking the coach's hand, like, kind of good game, it's, he, he does a, yeah, get out of here. I'm, I ain't going to be here next week. Who cares? Um, to Mike Vrabel, it's, it's just like, dude, you just are working to leave. It's like, and when the owner has to send out the second comment of the year in your first year to say, hey, he may be trash, but I'm at least sticking with him for a year. I mean, after he's like, uh, we could, I could go back to, you know, back to Jacksonville, or I could just stay in my bar and you guys can handle that. Uh, I could, I, I don't want to do that. And then now I get another, you know, t- public talking to for my owner. I'm just waiting till these last five games are done. And then I'm going to put my resume back to ESPN to be an analyst for a couple weeks before I get hired for my next college coaching job. So, 
right now is the uh, college, uh, the Jacksonville coach, Mr. Urban Meyer, is my dummy of the week. A very, very fine choice. My nominee is the Hall of Famer for our Demi of the Week. None other than Mr. Kanye West. And Kanye earns this distinction so many times, but this time it's because he's pleading with his soon-to-be ex-wife, Kim Kardashian, who's dating Pete Davidson, and saying, please come back. And Kim was like, why is he telling everybody he wants me back when he is living with his girlfriend? And I kind of feel like, yep, yeah, that's probably not the right way to go with that. And... You know, the steps of reconciliation, having a live-in girlfriend while you're pleading with your soon-to-be ex, come back. Pray that she comes back to me, guys. I don't know if that's one that's going to work out too well. I don't think that's that's the way to, you know, when your lawyer's drawing that up. That's not what his advice is. It's like, uh, I think we're you've hit move on stage. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I, I can win her back. Can, can you sit over there? I don't want to be in the Zoom call with you there. Yeah. So I, I know the thinking is I can, I, there's no way I can lose my wife to the king of Staten Island. But I think in this case, buddy, it's just time to take the L and move on. So take this L for being yet again the dummy of the week. And thank you very much. Well, Bro Shot, as usual, thank you for rolling with me. And we're going to break down that season hopefully finale of hawkeye next week and a few more goodies so thank you as always thank y'all out there for listening this episode allows movie files has been filed